welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, Deep Conversations and Tarot Medicine for Your Highest Evolution. I'm your host, Lindsay Mack. Thank you so much for being with me today. Happy almost November. Happy Samhain. Happy Halloween. Happy Day of the Dead. Um, however you celebrate this high holy day, whatever your ancestry, whatever your culture did, whatever your ancestors do, whatever feels um, like it resonates with you. I wish you an absolutely beautiful, happy celebration today. Um, This is our November monthly medicine podcast, and we're going to begin it by talking about uh, Samhain, which is my word for Halloween. Um, Halloween is the witch's new year. This is how many witches and many of us, um, this is our start to a new uh, wheel of the year. This is the beginning. This is um, where life turns over. And this is part of why. There's a couple different reasons. The first is because witches, obviously, I guess it's not obvious, but work with the deepest, work with the invisible, work with the depths, work with um, what is unseen as well as what is seen. Um, And however we identify as being a witch, um, working with our magic and having that magic be intrinsically interwoven with our ancestry, with our guides, with our angels, however we flow in this life and wherever our magic flows, whoever lifts us up and works with us, um, that is where it is centered in the invisible, making the invisible visible is what witches do. And so Samhain is, um, you know, Samhain is a Celtic word that had originated forever ago and was honored in many Celtic, um, well, was honored as a tradition in that time and from that ancestry as really the day when the year began. And obviously not everyone listening to this has Celtic ancestry or even vibes with that. But so that's why I say like the celebration of All Hallows Eve is one that spreads out as vastly and as beautifully and as multi um, layered as anything else in this life. So obviously just sub this out for what reflects to you. But um, there's a very long, very rich history from across the world about this really being the start of the year for those of us who live in the unseen realms, live in that of the void. Um, And part of the reason for that is because on Samhain, the veil is the thinnest of the year. So that means the ghosts, our ancestors, our mythologicals, our guides, um, are so present with us, are, are like with us. And we can celebrate and honor this in a multitude of different ways. Here's one. If you fuck with your ancestors and if you have a very rich practice and a very powerful connection to them, you want to connect with them, you want to do ancestor work, ancestor healing, by all means, light a candle and welcome them in. Welcome, um, let them show you what work you are doing in this lifetime to heal, to break a legacy, to fulfill a legacy, whatever it might be, to maybe show you 
the limitations, the racism, the um, past failings, the mistakes of your ancestry so that you can be clear about what you no longer wish to perpetuate. There are a lot of ways to work with ancestors. So if you want your Samhain celebration, and obviously this is such a profound part of the Day of the Dead, um, it is literally creating an altar, welcoming them in. You know, there's like the entire day. So if deep ancestor work and ancestor honoring is something that is so important to you and is a big part of your life, um, there are so many different resources, so many different ways to get in touch with how to connect with those of us who um, have shared a bloodline. And the other thing I want to say is that there are those of us who have no connection really to some of our ancestors because we are so, we have uh, evolved into ourselves so much further than our ancestors have. And one really beautiful thing to do, two beautiful things to do. One is that um, you can kind of do like an ancestor loving ceremony where um, if your ancestor maybe did have deep sight or did have deep intuitive gifts and, or, you know, suffered with something that you've broken, um, you know, my family, there's a very long cycle of abuse and trauma and, um, and suicide. And, um, it can be a beautiful opportunity during Samhain to basically whisper out to the generations rippling backward and forward, like this stops with me. And, um, you know, anything that you, um, passed on without, uh, you know, if there were knots that were left untied, I'm untying them for you, for us, for my children, you know, whatever it is. And the second thing that you can do is not necessarily uh, connect with your bloodline ancestry in terms of family, but your land ancestry. So for those of us, I know this is a very sensitive thing because some of us do not have any clue where we originated from due to slavery, due to um, being a refugee. We don't have the kind of connection that some other people do. But if you have any sense, or even if you want to connect out into the ether, calling your land center back to you, we can do a lot of stuff with land. We can also make offerings to this land, especially if we, um, you know, are not indigenous to this land. It can be a beautiful opportunity to um, do a land honoring ceremony on Samhain and really thank, um, you know, the land for holding you as a guest. There are a lot of beautiful ways to connect with land, with ancestry, because truly this land, the earth, the planet is our sacred center of ancestry. And even if we are guests on land, it is still holding us up happily and willingly. So it's really important to honor that. And we can do that on that day. And a second way of uh, really being with the medicine of Salin is to connect with our own mortality. So some of us, you know, have really brushed paths with death. If we've given birth, if we've had a near-death experience, if we're living with a condition or a disease of some kind, if we are moving through a healing process or release process of a disease or, a, you know, whatever, wherever we might happen to be on our personal journey, um, you know, living with something like that can be both um, incredibly 
clarifying and beautiful because it makes presence so tangible. It makes the impermanence of life so tangible. And it's also really intense because it brings up a lot of really big feelings for the ego, which is really the only thing that is afraid of death. Um, so Samhain is a really beautiful opportunity for us to say, am I really living in a way that reflects how I want to be living? And if so, what is the story, or rather if not, what is the story I'm telling myself about how life will just work this out for me or, you know, whatever, like life is very, 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 very short and very, very, very temporary and very fleeting and very impermanent. And no matter what stories we tell ourselves, we are here for a very short amount of time to do work. And once the work is done, we've we will transition and move into another realm of consciousness. And Samhain, um, beyond being a time to connect with ancestors and the dead, it can be a time to connect with our death, our mortality, our life. Um, and you know, Samhain is so fucking beautiful. Like it's my favorite time on the wheel of the year because, um, I think about things in terms of Northern and Southern hemispheres. So this is on the Southern hemisphere, the birth time, the flowers are waking up. The grass is like, this is spring. It's starting to get warm and it's, we're starting to experience death time in the Northern hemisphere. And it just, you know, the monthly medicine was reflective of the same the phrase that came through for this month is life, death, life, which is a phrase that was coined by Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes of women who wrote women who run with the wolves. Um, and it's a perfect way to, um, connect with this season. We only ever, um, connect Samhain, uh, traditionally to death because we're not thinking of the holographic nature of death. Anytime we get confused in this life about what something, you know, um, when we get really into the idea of like, uh, things being straight line, black and white, like is or isn't look at this planet holding the death time and the birth time at the same time, there is no birth without dying and there is no dying without birthing period. If you move through the release and loss of someone you are born into a new identity. And if you give birth to a human and experience parenthood, you are not the same. There has been a death. So there's always birth with death and death with birth. So I like to mention that because Samhain can also be a time to connect with, well, what is blooming anew for me? What is blooming anew for me in the midst of this deep clearing? And what in the midst of this deep clearing is birthing. So those are just a few beautiful ways. And, you know, I don't like to necessarily connect with or advise like what you could do for a ritual. Cause I'm really into empowered ritual and ceremony, but of course, like lighting a candle for yourself, for your ancestors, for your generational trauma, for land trauma, for, um, calling, the land of your bloodline back to you for calling the land of your, like whatever, whatever it is. And, and straight up having a new year celebration, um, for your magical practice is something that is really powerful. Um, 
And it is one of those things that once we start connecting with this idea of, um, like this idea that as witches, like this is the time when our energetic wheel really turns, um, there's something really magical that can happen from that. And a perfect dovetail into, uh, from Samhain to the other aspects of this episode is like, we're in Scorpio season, baby. And Scorpio season, like this is, this is where it gets done. This is the sign of sex, death, rebirth. This is the sign of profound transformation. This is the center review transition point on the wheel of the year, period. The um, There are many different animal symbols of Scorpio. There are three. We know the scorpion. There's also the serpent and the phoenix. So each sign often has a couple, but Scorpio has three. So if we think about the scorpion being this like incredible creature, like living this life and armed with this stinger and like very, very sacred creatures. Um, we think of the serpent, the serpent is absolutely the snake, um, um, a symbol of this season and this time on the wheel of the year for all of us. This is a time of regeneration, of transformation, of rebirth, of renewal. And it's very important to note, snakes only shed their skin biologically when they outgrow the skin. So it's not just a matter of like, oh, time to shed. It's that the snake grows and the skin doesn't fit anymore. And the shedding process happens over time. It doesn't happen immediately. You can't rush it. You can't hurry it up. You can't necessarily slow it down either. So there's this very powerful thing that the ego always kind of like shoves out of the gate when we're talking about Scorpio, death, energy, um, transmutation, transformation, which is the growth that happens. Like the idea of death is that you grow to a point when you've released this particular form of your vessel, that doesn't mean that we are not going to mourn and grieve and have all of the valid feelings about death. It's really important to know that that's, that's a, that's a given. We're not discounting that, but if we're looking at the soul centered medicine, really important to include that in it. So just inherently by being in Scorpio season, we're working with the death card. The death card is one of two cards in the tarot, the death card and the tower card that have to do specifically with a shedding and a cracking open and a releasing of ego. The death card does it with Scorpio energy, um, which is uh, just inherently like it's a water sign. It happens in, in an emotional way, in a very deep way, ruled by Pluto. The tower which has nothing to do with this other than to say that Mars is a very powerful part of Scorpio and rules both Aries and Scorpio. Um, the feeling of the tower is so different because it contains that deep destroyer, fire, power. Death is all water and it happens like very quietly, death card energy. It's a time when we're usually taken very deeply within and it's a time when we are shedding something because we've grown, because we've expanded, because we've become more of ourselves. And 
any time we do that, there is never going to be a time when this isn't going to happen. So it's just about, again, you know, I've said this before on this podcast, but like part of the reason why this shit is so important for anyone who's kind of like, oh, like everyone uses the same languaging. Like I feel the same way. Like how many like sacreds and wilds and, (laughs) you know, like can there be, but like we are undoing something that is still pretty much standard that this idea that the wild should be tamed and the wild isn't safe. It's too dirty. Let's clean it up. And we don't think about death and transformation often as being good things because we're really, really identified with the ego. That's not a bad thing. That's all we know. That's our sense of safety in the world. It's false usually, but it's okay. The reason that we talk so much about this and, you know, refine these points is because every time we consider this and embody this shit, we are grooving new neural pathways in not only the brain, but the soul. That's why this time is so important. So to remember any time there is an expansion of some kind, we're going to contract because a part of us knows have we outgrown something? You know, is it time to release something? We're always going to want to resist that. We're like always, there's always going to be the presence of resistance. doesn't mean we have to pay attention to it, honor it, or believe it, let it stop us. But it is very powerful to consider like, okay, you know, in death card medicine, we're transforming something that was once the protection the coat that we wore, a part of our lives, a part of us is getting released and becoming compost. It's becoming fertilizer. It's not going away. It's not being wasted. We're shifting something that once was nourishment and now is not nourishment into nourishment for new things to grow. So, you know, there's so many ways that we could reflect even for ourselves, like the end of a relationship, the death of someone. Um, it's not necessarily that we're jumping for joy, like, oh my God, this brought so many great things into my life. But we can honor with a clear eye how those kinds of pathways that we've walked can bring forward into our lives something new. And that's really what we're doing here. And of course, in November, we're also going to be working with Sagittarius, which is temperance medicine. Um, And temperance is a really tricky bird. And I don't know that temperance can be really understood until it's experienced. And it's basically, you know, temperance comes from the Latin word tempor, which is time. And it also means slow. So temperance takes place sometimes over years, even though we can be in temperance technically when Sagittarius season comes along, it's kind of when we plant the seed for temperance. And then over the next like two years, three years, um, it really starts to come into itself. It's like planting a rose bush. You know, it takes time for that rose bush to get acclimated and to really flourish. Um, temperance takes place over a long time, even though we are in the most fertile point of it during Sagittarius season. Temperance is a miraculously complex card. 
and is perfectly laid out because um, Scorpio and the death card is really all about transformation, release, and kind of this rebirth cycle. And um, the temperance card is about the spark of life that comes forward after the death. You know, if we're looking at things biblically, it's like the resurrection of Christ. So this is our resurrection is in temperance. We get to try things new, anew. We get to try things and do them a little bit differently and placed in the most simple of language. And really it's like trying to language temperance is often very difficult, but really it does not have to do with being moderate. It doesn't have to do with being like not drinking or, you know, staying pure in this like really old archaic sense of purity. It has to do with developing a relationship of trust of alchemy and of magic with the external universe. So once we move into temperance in the fool's journey of the tarot, we start getting invited to notice how much further we can light up, bloom open when we essentially include God or spirit or divine or the universe in the co-creation of our lives. So put quite simply, when we're looking at the angel on the temperance card, we're looking at an angel blending water from one cup to another in a way that in terms of physics, like even if you look at it in the Smith Rider weight, we couldn't really accomplish without spilling some of the water. So we know that we have to ask for something higher to help. And when we have, um, you know, the essence of the angel's feet in the Smith Rider weight, one is standing on rock, one is floating in water. Um, we know enough to know that as human beings, there's a lot of things that we can't accomplish or do, or we're not even supposed to do on our own. When we get to those roadblocks and those places when we're not able to see the way or whatever, we can look up and be like, well, I'm going to surrender this to something greater because I can't make this happen. So I'm just going to work on this with y'all. And a couple of different contextualizations for this is like, if you have been dating, looking for your beloved, just like trying to find a partner and it's not working, it's time for you to call on temperance medicine to basically say, you know, spirit, I have tried everything in my power to find somebody. So I'm ready to receive a lover. I'm ready to receive my partner. I also understand that it might not be in my highest and best to do so right now. So I'm calling both on you to do your magic, to bring this person forward, for it to be really clear to me what work I'm still having to do to make ready for that partner and for the courage to be present in my life, you know, the um, peace to be present in, present in my life while that's coming forward. And that's really what Sagittarius brings for us. Um, and it is, if you're familiar with the 12 steps and of AA, if you're in recovery, it there is something to, to it. You know, it can really, um, it, it, temperance can behave a little differently than that. But this idea of being like, I'm working with something higher because I know and have awareness of the uh, limitations of my human doingness and my human failings and my human ego and all kinds of different things. It's not that we are, uh, you know, necessarily letting spirit take the wheel completely, but we're, we're starting to let in a little bit more ease and grace so that we don't have to be fighting and potentially, 
elongating situations that could be um, handled by spirit in a couple months to a couple of years um, on our end because we're refusing to invite in divine support. So it's a very mysterious card, but it essentially starts with the willingness to say, when like we've tried everything on our own, to be able to look up or down or within ourselves and say, I can't do it. So I'm asking for some help and support. And while the support is on its way, I will be present in my life doing the best I can. And in that way, we're blending the water Really, we are the water in the cups getting reblended by spirit. So it's a time when we're transforming, we're being transformed. Um, all of that stuff is really what temperance is about. Very mysterious, really a card of um, curiosity and hard work and depth. And that's a part of November's medicine, closer to the end of November. I'm going to pause for water. So <clears throat> the astrology for the month ahead is pretty powerful. We're starting in Samhain on October 20, 31st. Sorry, um, Uranus is going retrograde, will be retrograde in Aries from, um, oh, I can't remember the date. I know that people are like screaming or in their head they know. It's early uh, November my apologies that I don't remember that. Um, but it will be retrograde until March 6th, 2019. So we're going to be in a, um, so here's the thing. Uranus moved into Taurus and Uranus is ruled by the, it's ruled by, you know, it's connected to Aquarius and it's thereby connected to the fool. So Uranus is our point of freedom. It's where we desire to be the most liberated in our lives. We want to get, it's the essence of self. And it's the part of us that's highly connected with our individuality. And thus, once we're in the truth of our individuality, we're really offering our true selves to the collective, to humanity. It's really just like not wanting to go with the grain at all. When Uranus is connected to Taurus, it basically floods out into our body, into our resources. That can be a time when like we really want to um, recenter the way we're eating, the way our body looks, the way we're coming back into our sense of understanding who we are on a physical plane. It can um, provide a lot more desire for liberation around the senses, what we're touching, what we're tasting, what we're seeing, what we're smelling, you know, literally, it also brings a huge amount of beautiful work to finances, to security, to money, all that stuff. And if there's been a desire to create a lot more structure to our finances over the last, you know, couple months since Uranus moved into Taurus in April, I believe, uh, of this year, um, it's not an accident. It's all related to that. So Taurus is very much about sensuality and about security. It's also about structure. Uranus is about freedom. So it's kind of marrying how can we find freedom in that structure and what is, what, you know, what are the, the balance points of that? So Uranus going retrograde, um, or Uranus retrograde is really an important time because due to the fact that it's moving back into Aries for this little point and then going back into Taurus until like 20, 
26 or something like that. It will be in Taurus for a really long time. This is an opportunity to revisit where you were one more time for a couple more months before we move back into this place of security. Uranus and Aries wants to be free. It wants to be liberated. It doesn't give a fuck. It's very fiery, very intense. Um, there's a lot of power and a lot of heat that can come from that. So it will show up for everyone a little differently, but it is a pretty powerful part of the year. Jupiter moves into Sagittarius, which it loves to be in. Um, there's a lot of harmonious aspects in terms of planets moving back into really harmonious signs in um, November, which is great. Mars is going direct. That's also great. Um, there will be a new moon in Scorpio on November 7th. Very, very powerful to have a new moon in Scorpio. It is definitely a magical point we're going to want to work with in terms of planting new seeds and facilitating massive transformation. Highly magical moon, highly magical lunar phase. And um, we are fortunately, unfortunately, having a Mercury retrograde in Sagittarius that will begin on November 16th. So we've talked about Mercury retrograde lots of times on this podcast, but, um, and like in the world, but it's essentially, you know, depending on the sign that it's in, it's usually a time to listen as opposed to speak. Uh, for some people, depending on the Mercury retrograde that they were born in and what's going on with it, for some people, it can be a highly beautiful beautiful and successful time. Um, but if there is a little bit too much pressure placed on anything, that's when Mercury retrograde can kind of like blow up in our faces, um, in some of the more like fear-based, uh, ideas of what it can be. It's, it's a, an organic resting point so that our thinking, our communication, um, and our channel channels can get refined. So the fact that it's in Sagittarius, um, it's never the funnest thing to have a Mercury retrograde in a fire sign, but Sagittarius being, um, a really, you know, it's definitely, we'll see how it will show up, but it's here to really refine the way we are connecting with our intellect, our idealism, our service. There's lots of really good stuff in terms of that. And then we have a full moon in Gemini on November 22nd. So that will be very, very powerful in terms of expanding our circles and once again, doing this very deep work around mercury medicine. So, um, it, for for the kind of power that November has, we are kind of ramping down a little. It's not that the energy won't be intense or have intensity attached to it, but there really is a kind of mellowing of the uh, waves um, in general in November. Uh, but again, we're just in different times in this world now. So it's not like that means easy. It's just a little different. <laughs> so it'll just depend on how it affects you. So now that we've kind of moved through that, we're going to move into the medicine phrase of the month, which is life, death, life. So 
life, death, life. This is, again, a phrase that was coined by Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes from Women Who Run With the Wolves, and she has an absolutely spectacular uh, kind of like system of viewing life, death, life. And that's not really what we're going to talk about today because her phrasing of that, her coining of that phrase um, is bringing language to something that exists. It's, it's in the world and it's that we're not just doing life, death. We are doing always life, death, life, that we can see it reflected in the seasons. We can see it reflected in the flow of nature, of the cosmos, especially, um, you know, one of the most perfect examples of this is caterpillar to chrysalis to butterfly. This, it, it is the holy symbol of all three. Um, it is what we would call the holy trinity, the triple goddess. Um, and again, if we don't subscribe to that kind of flow, we can look at the moon. This is a new moon to full moon to dark moon. You know, it's, it, it is waxing to waning, waning to waxing. Um, it is the phrase that defines life and the spiral path. And yet we're not, again, always connected with that because we're living with egoic brains and we're living with linear overculture. So when we have life, we tend to really want to keep that life. When there's death, we tend to not really see beyond the death point. And when there's life again, that can also be really intense and scary. There can be a postpartum period after the death. There can be like, there's all kinds of different things. We can also look at life, death, life from the lens view of uh, the three lines of the major arcana. Line one is absolutely the lifeline. It's the line of ego and identity, who I am, we can look at line two as being the death line, which it is 100% the death line. Um, we're asking who we are. We're not sure of anything anymore. Spirit is kind of interweaving itself into our lives, working on pulling out egoic strategy and structure at the root. And the third line of the major arcana is the rebirth line. So we're working with life, death, rebirth here. Um, in the month of November, there's going to be a lot of change, a lot of change. There's also going to be a lot of spark, a lot of spark of life, a lot of spark, a lot of creativity, a lot of lushness for a month that is defined kind of by Scorpio season and death and rebirth and, and release and shedding. The medicine that came through me uh, from my guides for the collective was actually quite luxurious in terms of its feeling and treatment. It was very lush and there were lots of sparks that are going to ignite and light up within us. It's a time where we can actually be phenomenally creative and directional in terms of how we want to elicit or change or take action. Um, it's a time when a lot of us can really make massive leaps forward. But here's the thing. We have to let the full clearing process happen in order to do that. And what can sometimes happen is that we clear something and then we sort of like sidle back into it. You know, we're calling upon perpetual lasting, pulling up by the root death energy. So maybe for you, 
the an old structure is dying, an old behavior or a pattern is dying, a friendship is dying, a relationship that took too much of your energy is, you know, maybe it's been dead for a little while. We are getting to connect this month both with what we began with, the life, the foundational life force that we were born with, our soul, who we are, what the ego has structured in our lives that doesn't serve us anymore. That is where we're clearing. And what built upon that foundation is getting ready to come alive in us. So we are kind of going through this month a full life-death-life cycle because we're reconnecting to the life and the spark that's always been there. We're identifying what doesn't serve, what is like some bullshit old structure or a beautiful structure that you know, maybe once worked and now doesn't, and what the inspiration is beyond it. Now, here's the thing about death energy. And like, oh, that sounds great, right? It's like life and and clearing what doesn't serve and life again. But here's the valley that everybody walks with death energy and is the hardest part. Is that a lot of the time in that valley of death, we don't know what's beyond the mountain on the other side. So we can cling on to the corpse for a long time. Something could be dead for years. And because we're afraid that there won't be anything for us, we don't trust the life on the other side of death. We cling and we hold on. And if I was to provide, invite, empower everyone listening to this who can identify with being in that valley, have a death ritual for whatever you've been holding on to and be willing to take a step forward without it, without going back to retrieve it. If something isn't working, I mean, I don't know about you, but in this life, I have never experienced proof for anything I've done. Any great thing that I've accomplished in my life has been done so by flinging myself into the unknown and basically saying, well, we'll see. I've checked in, I've gotten yeses, I haven't gotten no's, or I, you know, I've I've caught, pulled in my feelings, I've cultivated and checked in with what I've feel I've felt about it. Um, you know, it feels like a yes or it feels like a no on this. And I'm just gonna honor that. But there's no proof. Just because you're even because you um it can take a little while to really like get sink into this, but like just because you're an intuitive doesn't mean you have any kind of clarity <laughs> on whether something's going to work out for you. And it's really good to just toss that out. This life, like nothing is guaranteed. But what we can do is be intimately checked in, intimately checking in with what is in our highest and best, asking spirit, am I meant to pursue this? If we get a no, we don't do it, period. We have to stop and ask. So we're not necessarily always going to get clarity unless we ask. And even then, we might not get clarity. We might get a yes without knowing why. We might get a no without knowing why. We can trust that because the channel is really the truth. I mean, that's it. The ego doesn't always know. It's going off of what it's seen, uh, the past, our foundation, all that stuff that's not the truth of what we're doing. Not really. 
It's the channel. And when we're living in life, death, life, we're actually connected to the truth of the rhythm of this life. This is the true rhythm of life, is life, death, life. We usually see things as being life or death. And really, it's a consistently moving spiral. It's an everlasting spiral, an everlasting cycle that just keeps regenerating and repeating itself. So it's simple medicine this month. What are you returning to? What are you ready to leave in the valley of the death time of your life? What are you ready to let go of? Maybe you're not ready. How can you do it without being ready? And I'm literally asking you to consider doing something before you feel ready. We don't have to always feel ready to be ready. If you check in with your guides, if you check in with spirit, you know, I'll tell you that I'm going to be making a much larger announcement about this next month. This podcast is likely going to come to a close in December because I'm hearing that a new podcast wants to be born. And I got to tell you, it is tarot centered and there are some similarities to this podcast. And I've kind of been like, uh, why make another one exactly if there are going to be some similarities? But it's different enough from what I'm perceiving that it wants another name. And so even though there are lots of lovely subscribers and lots of very high listener counts and like uh, a beautiful audience base for this podcast, uh, starting another podcast feels very risky to me. And um, that's like, I've been observing that that is my skin, my snake skin, that I've been like, mm, okay, you know, that's interesting. And the more I do my work in the death part of my life, um, and I'm not sure it could change, you know, spirits, spirit is, is weird and the spiral is weird. And it could be that I come out of this month and this podcast stays the same. Maybe this podcast continues and the name changes. I have no clue y'all, but, uh, I've been paying attention to my, uh, feelings of fear around potentially letting this podcast change and shift. And, um, it feels like, uh, part of the work that's coming through for this collective unification as well. I offer that just to tell you, like, it doesn't, it never like stops. It's never that you get to a point and you're like, oh yeah, I hear it in my channel. Like it's completely fine. And there's just trust there. You do it in spite of the fact that you don't trust. So, um, like I said, I don't have a full on announcement to make about the podcast yet, which is out of respect for her, uh, meaning her, my podcast, cause she's still talking to me about what she wants. Um, and there, you know, I've been also connecting with her a lot about like, she feels kind of pissed because for a little while I was making her into something she didn't want to be. So there's, we're always in exchange with things that are really, um, yeah, there's all kinds of different ways that we can be in connection and communication with ourselves, with our offerings to really bring forward whatever is in highest and best for us. And it includes letting whatever aspect of that thing doesn't serve die. And 
working with, because the whole point of death work is to work on what we believe that we're letting go of or what's letting go of us when it's really about making way for something more in alignment. And I will tell, you know, with that example with podcast work, um, I 100% know that once I move through the valley, whatever comes through, whether it's this podcast, this podcast name change, or another podcast um, that I really feel that I'm feeling the full vision of, uh, starting to feel a partial vision of this new podcast, and it feels pretty fucking awesome and exciting. Whatever comes through around that, it's like going to be way better than this. And this is great. So it's not about this not being something that we love. It's just about this, meaning this moment, whatever we have a sense that is ready to undergo a kind of a change or might be a part of the snake skin we're shedding, all of that. Um, that is doing our work around believing and trusting in the life that comes after the death is part of the work that we're doing in November. So it's a concept everyone's really familiar with, life, death, life. But we're going to just be exploring that really quietly this month to ourselves. Everyone's going to be going through all kinds of different things with that. Um, I also want to say this. We are, for the nine half a millionth time, not even a thousandth time, millionth time. We are in a high priestess justice year this year. We are starting to get into high priestess time. Justice, it's not that justice is finished, but we are starting to really quiet down into high priestess energy right, right now. Um, and I'll remind everybody, high priestess likes to be alone. It is a listener. It is a receiver. It is receptive the Mercury retrograde in Sagittarius is going to be intimately connected to bringing us closer to our high priestessness. And it's really important to remember that some of life, death, life medicine, especially in November, is going to be connected to high priestess a little bit because we're in her this year. And it's about listening to what we want to do, to what's in us. What are we doing that people outside of us want what do we want to do? What's in our soul? What are we saying yes to? What are we interested in exploring? The only way we can kind of get into that is to become quiet, to really reflect and listen and be with it. And we may not want to talk about it too, too much, but we are sparking something new. And that is a huge part of the emphasis is on the life after the death, you know, and that's why um, November is one of the, November and March are the two deepest portals of the year, period. Because November brings us from Scorpio to Sag, literally from death to rebirth. March brings us from Pisces to, um, to Aries. Like it's a huge transitional point, both of which have to do with kind of the quote cosmic new year. You know, Aries begins the Zodiac, Scorpio ends the, you know, if we're looking at like, again, like the witch's new year, it really contains that medicine. So there's a lot of real power there. Um, and moving into, um, November, cause technically speaking, November would be November 1st would be kind of like the new year. <clears throat> By the way, for anyone driving, there is not a police person behind you. It is just Brooklyn <laughs> while I'm recording. So let's get to our uh, collective tarot reading for October. And the medicine of the month is Page of Wands. I mean, 
Page medicine is the cosmic fresh start of the court cards, of the tarot. Pages are for everyone from 9 to 92, as they say. It is from... Um, or from one to 92, not nine to 92, Lindsay. Um, and it's really about beginning again. So any age you are, any place you are in life, pages are not naive. They're not young necessarily, but they are about fresh starts. They are about coming back to a place of spark and idealism. I think the most wonderful, uh, what really reflects to me as being beautiful example of page energy is when Ebenezer Scrooge wakes up from uh, having a visit of the ghost of uh, Christmas future, um, where he's confronted with his own grave and he wakes up with a completely new lease on life. Like that, um, that is pages. Like Ebenezer Scrooge waking up and buying the biggest turkey in the butcher shop and um, making friends and his heart opening up again. Like that's a really big part of this time. So to have page of wands, page of wands in the Smith Rider weight, this is the first time we've seen the page be reverent to a wand. This is the first time we've seen any body be reverent to a wand. If you look at the Smith Rider weight, the progression of the wand suit from ace to king, we look at we're holding the wand away behind us. We're fighting with it. We're not gazing at it. We're not looking in sacred oneness with it, but that page is. So pages are deep listeners. They're receptors. They are observing, being receptive to the sacred suit that they are working with. They've come through the ACE to 10 journey. They've done their ego work. They've done that microcosmic work. Now, whenever we work in court card energy, we're working with something masterful, something higher, something centered in the soul. So page of wands, the medicine of November is that we are re-engaging in a completely new way with the way we take action and the way we integrate and work with our creative process. Now, I there's been a wonderful uh, conversation that's been kind of unfolding by a wonderful student in my course that's still going on about like how much it can suck that the wands are all about like spark and sexuality and creativity, and they don't feel that way a lot. And I feel like that's very important because the tower or <laughs> the tarot is not centered on any feeling. The sun does not mean we're going to feel happy. The two of wands does not mean we're going to feel a spark or that we're going to feel excited. Our feelings are always mutable and are not relegated to, they're not controlled or determined by the presence of a card. We can feel melancholy in 10 of cups. We can feel all kinds of the... We, our feelings are our own. They're worthy and valid. But because a lot of the languaging around wands is about like excitement and creativity that we can get a little tricked into thinking like if we're in a wand suit, we're going to feel really good about the creative process. And it's not about feeling good, bad, great. Feelings are not determiners or arbiters of facts. They're not necessarily related. We do not have to believe them, shouldn't believe them. Feelings have nothing to do with the truth. They can be indicators. They can be crossroads. They can help us get down to the truth, but they're not necessarily facts or truth. So 
I encourage everybody who's kind of looking to feel a certain way this month to completely release that expectation. Page of Wands is not about feeling juicy and creative. It's about coming into the truth of how we engage with our creativity. If we've been trying to write a book, but we've been filling up our schedule with all kinds of insanity, talking to myself, um, and, and beautiful opportunities, what might be really important about like literally going off grid for a month or going off grid for a week or a weekend or carving out time. If you have been very um, devoted to working on a project or taking care of yourself, is there something that you need to make room for? Is there a certain reverence, a certain respect that you want to pay to your creative process? If so, Page of Wands is for you. And Page of Wands is absolutely coming with incredibly important medicine related to death energy. Because part of being in Page of Wands of facing the wand, working with the wand, working with the fire within, everyone's fire is different. Some people have candles. Some people have bonfires. It's totally different. So let's not box ourselves in. Let's pay attention. Let's get to know the truth of our creativity. Let's let it tell us what it is. Death energy comes in when we let go of the idea of how we should be or could be with regard to our creative pursuits, what we're beginning again. There's huge death card medicine or a death medicine in Page of Wands also because in order to leap into this new thing, trying something that we've done before, but eliciting a different response because we're connecting more uh, intimately with the nature of our inner fire, we are also going to leap away from the old times that haven't served us. So really powerful stuff there. What we have, you know, in Page of Wands is like, we have a master energy. Pages, Page of Wands is a double elementation. It's earth and fire. So we have a kind of a grounding happening, a kind of a rooting, and we have a kind of a creativity, a spark, a flame. We are looking at two different elements, building a fire. So how are we building this fire and how is it, um, oh God, what is the word? Like expanding us, building us, helping us grow. You know, how is it creating more spaciousness for us to connect with something differently than we ever have before? Very strong indicator of taking action differently, stepping forward differently, transforming, and putting that transformation into different actionable results. What we're releasing is Nine of Cups reversed. Nine of Cups reversed is and can be a sense where um, we feel like our dreams, our wishes, it's doubt, plain and simple. It's doubt. It can sometimes be resistance to like, um, getting down into it. But what happens, you know, if we're talking about releasing something to make room for something new, the reason that sometimes we don't let that full release go is because we don't have full trust in spirit to help us move forward in some way. Um, you know, that's why people cling on to things or shitty partners or old 
jobs or names or whatever, because we're afraid that if we let go of it, there won't be anything on the other side. And that is ultimately where full energy gets in, where we leap because the soul said yes, not because we feel like we have some kind of guarantee. Nine of cups, you know, in general is the wishing card. It's a card of planting seeds of intention. We're kind of laying on eggs in nine of cups. And it is a time to, um, get a little bit of a break, I think. And it's a time to reflect and dream about what makes sense for us. And it could also be a time when we're shifting our energetic direction and are really working on setting intentions and desires and dreams for ourselves. When reversed, we don't always believe or buy that they're going to happen. And we are letting go of that seed of doubt. That's part of what we're releasing now this month. It's what we can release. It's what spirit is essentially saying, like, this is an option for anyone that's available to consider that a new way can be born here. So that's what we're letting go of. And what's coming in this month, coming in to like mix in the cauldron and the pot, it's two of cups. What part of yourself do you need most to embrace? Two of Cups is not necessarily an indication of any other person coming in for you. Not a lover. Could be. Probably not. Because the tarot is not hinged on any externals. Um, it's about you. Loving you. It's about you embracing you. Jeff Hinshaw has the best teaching about Two of Cups. The uh, Jeff Hinshaw of Cosmic Cousins and Brooklyn Fools um, has a beautiful lesson that and a beautiful way of looking at this card where uh, the woman on the uh, Smith Rider weight he feels is the high priestess in her like everyday clothes and the man on the card in the Smith Rider weight is the fool in his everyday clothes. And if we look at the medicine of these two uh, beings, we're looking at the high priestess who is an environment, an ocean unto herself, the moon. Um, being vulnerable in front of this person. And the fool who is a leaper and ruled by Uranus wants to be free, committing to this being. Each party on the card is being their full vulnerable selves, facing their fears, and yet allowing themselves to be seen, to be embraced, to be completely themselves, vulnerable and all, in front of another aspect of themselves or in front of another, in front of the world. So in two of cups, we're kind of identifying, well, what are the discomfort points for me in letting this new life shine out of me? What am I afraid of? Am I afraid to lose people? Am I afraid for people to know something about me that I don't want them to know about? When we get two of cups, what we kind of learn in this card is like the thing we think is the most unlovable is actually the part of us that is the most beautiful, attractive, sensual, like, and to take it out of kind of like romantic terms, it's the part of us that's got the most juice. That's where all the gold is. That's the part when, and, and if we're just like us on us, the part of us that we most think needs to change in order to be loved is the most needing to be loved as it is right now. So the piece that can help us in this life-death-life cycle work is embracing all aspects of ourselves, just letting them be, literally having eye-gazing 
with the parts of yourself that you most want to change, just being with that, being with them, unconditional, radical acceptance and compassion. If we can engage with that, it can really help us because if we've been trying to change the fact that we're like shy and we don't really want to be doing too much publicly, but we think we have to, by embracing the fact that we are deep moon energy, lunar, internally directed people, we can create a whole world for ourselves in terms of like doing things from a distance. It could be that the sun is shining in a place and we're looking for it inside of a cave, you know? So how can you bring your light out? How can you let that spark be created? How can you do it in a way that is fully loving of yourself and allowing others to see you as you really are? The gentle message from divine is six of wands. There's going to be a lot, like I said, spark. There's going to be a lot of visibility this month for many of us. And um, when I say visibility, I mean like shining our light and showing our gifts. The other thing about six of wands is like, it's a moment when we can see, you know, in the Smith Rider weight, he's kind of like victorious on that horse. We're not always going to get into like Vogue magazine and six of wands, but we will be on that proverbial horse, not above people, just aware, seeing. We can literally see over a crowd when we're on a horse. So taking away everyone else, it's a time when we can really shine. And when we shine, it kind of lights the path. We can see forward. Like the message from divine is like, let yourself be seen, celebrate yourself. Let the people who really love you and are fans of you love you up. And, you know, speaking as somebody who gets just as much shit kicker bullshit from people who experience, you know, contraction or weird mirroring or jealousy or whatever, I have the same thing with people myself and I experience it from other people. Really the only way to deal with that if you're doing work publicly like this in an energetic spiritual way is to have a very strong circle of people who are rooting for you. So that if, if you're working with that at all, like, and you, you don't need to be semi-public to have that be a thing. Your own parent could be not rooting for you because if you expand, your own partner could not be rooting for you, which is really tough. But like sometimes it's just simply that a partner might be afraid, like if we get too expanded, we'll leave them. So it's really important to like say, you know, basically like, fuck you. I'm going to keep shining. You can shine too. You can come up with me. Obviously, you don't want to say fuck you. You can say I love you, but also fuck your brains invitation for me to play a little duller for you. Keep shining. And if you don't have any clue where to shine, don't, uh, or rather, um, come back to two of cups. If there's a part of yourself that you think you need to change in order to be somehow better, you're barking up the wrong tree. Just coming back to yourself can be very important. What's above us this month is nine of pentacles reversed. Basically, it's going to be very important for us to have solo time, to have time that feels pleasurable, sweet. If we feel like we can't take that time, um, be aggressively devoted to asking for what you need this month. Put those systems in place and make sure there is a, an hour a day for you to have you time, if not a lot of time. And what's below us, what's kind of rooted under us is strength cards. So again, there has been a lot here about like 
looking right into the eyes of something that kind of freaks us out, once we're really confronted with it, it gets really easier. So the more we're able to connect with that, really be in our center as we walk forward, the better it's going to be. Life, death, life, baby. There is no death without life. There is no life without death. We are changing this month. We have tended our gardens in October. We have eliminated what hasn't served, whether we were aware of it or not. Even if you haven't eliminated it, you know what doesn't serve. Like, you know. A lot of the time there can be energy of like, there might be a little bit, like if you found yourself like in some real ego or some real like resistance, there can be a little bit of an element of shit or get off the pot this month, but that's a good thing. Sometimes we need a little kick in the butt to get us moving. So, um, yeah, I think that's what I have for you this month. Be good to yourselves. Know that a lot of new things are coming. There will be really big frequency waves this month. Some of them will be intense. Some of them will be really beautiful and gentle. But there has been a shift. And we're being invited to connect with our inner spark. And what really lights us up, the truth of what it is that we're doing here, what gets us kind of ignited and moving in the direction of our dreams, like, what doesn't work? It's gone. It's so clear. What doesn't work? Release it. Actually jettison it. Let it go. Have a grief ceremony. Begin again. This is our new year, witches. Wild souls. We are beginning again today. Set your intention. Let it come through for you. I'm wishing everyone the most spectacular month. And I want to be very clear about something again. I'm not going to be not podcasting. No matter what, I'll have a podcast, but this one is definitely going to be changing. Whether or not it changes or there'll be a new one, I'm going to be taking all of November basically to write and to clarify. And I think at the end of the day, I'll have a lot of really beautiful announcements to share at our December monthly medicine. Uh, The one thing that has been so joyful is to get to connect with all of you this way every month in this beautiful container. I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so grateful for your support and your kindness for listening. Um, I love this community. Um, and I'm sending you all my love for the month ahead. May it be really a beautiful overflow for you, for your kin, for your loved ones. Um, for your ancestors. Uh, Have an absolutely beautiful Samhain. Have a beautiful year. Year. Have a beautiful... I've done that twice now where I've like said something about a year, but I guess, yeah, happy new year. (laughs) Have a happy start to your witch's new year. And I will catch all of you um, for December's monthly medicine. And until then, take care of yourselves. 